Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Cup of Coffee. Uh, I'm Oman with my co-host, Omer, and uh, we are here today with Bushra. Bushra, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Bushra. Awesome. Right, <laughs> it's uh, great to be back. We've been gone for a couple months. Um, yeah, it's been a lot. like to know what we did. Uh, we both died and recently came back, so. More or less what happened. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, so we uh, usually like to start off a little bit lighthearted. Uh, why don't you tell us something that you're a big nerd about? A big nerd about? Um, probably film photography. Of like all the things I'm really interested, film photography has been uh, my favorite. Um, I got into it my sophomore year of high school actually um because i had to take an art class as a requirement and i was like i don't want to draw anything so i took a photography class and i didn't know it was a film photography class until i got there um and it was really fun shout out to jason wellington he was my teacher for three years and he was really good at it um so i got into it then and then in high school i mean sorry in college i also took film photography and this was before COVID, so we got to go into the lab and everything and, like, develop uh, pictures. And that was the exact semester that everyone went online. So after we went online, my professor was like, it's a film photography class. We need the lab. So I'm just going to make you guys watch movies, and you just write a review on the movie, and that's what you, how you're going to get your A. Um, but, yeah, film photography is my favorite. Um, I have... I think 10 cameras right now. I collect cameras. Um, And yeah, I also really like um, like Polaroids or, you know, like the little Fujifilm cameras. Those are really cool as well. I think that's kind of how I started first. Like that's what I knew of like film. And then I got into like the actual 35 millimeter, um, the cameras and stuff. So I just like go on to like eBay or Depop and like find cameras that work. And they're usually like 10 to $20 and I'll just buy them and put a roll in and take pictures. Um, I like also really, really love taking pictures like when I'm traveling, especially on film because I don't know what it looks like until it's developed. And it's like, I'll forget about the moment and then I'll develop it when I get home. And I'm like, wait, we actually did that and we went there or whatnot. That's cool. Um, Yeah. And then in quarantine, I started to develop my own film as well by like buying the chemicals and like teaching myself through youtube um it's really expensive so i wouldn't recommend it but i I just very nice after that (laughs) yeah so i just like was like you know i had a time let me try it so i did and uh yeah i i loved it ever since that's like the the biggest thing i think i'm a nerd about film photography that's cool Uh, so like what are what are some of the things you like about it compared to digital photography? Um, the overall aesthetic, honestly, is really appealing to me. I I love the like the look of film, um, the grain, and just kind of the fuzziness of film. I also really love how you literally don't know what the picture looks like until you develop it, and then yeah. like you could literally be cross-eyed or whatever. But it's just like the fun of it. Um, so maybe that, and I think, uh, like, I really love photography in general, but film photography, I feel like 
um it's not i wouldn't say it's easier because like you have to do all these things with the camera to make sure this shot is correct but i i like the technicality of it like you have to actually work for the picture yeah um, so probably that it's it's really fun because like it's either a hit or miss with your pictures you have to know what you're doing with the camera and you also have to like the camera and know how the camera works for it to like work in your favor especially with the film that you choose like if it's like color film or black and white it's mm. two different things you have to do right each film you don't have that advantage of like fixing things in post like you do with digital photography yeah you can't really fix much um i think the only things you could fix is like after it's scanned um there are different aesthetics that come out from scanning so if i did it myself i tend to have a bluer tint to my scans because i'm doing it at home it's i'm not i'm not a professional so you have to like kind of go back in with like Photoshop or Lightroom and like fix it. Um, but when I get a professional and scanned and, and developed, it, it looks fine. And you can always like go back in and I guess adjust curves and stuff because they give you like the digital format of the film. Okay. Um, and I'd, I'd rather have the di digital instead of like the printouts because half the time the film, like the pictures don't turn out well. And I don't want like a bunch of prints. Yeah. of them just laying around so i just get the digital and if you need to fix something like the exposure or the contrast or whatever you can do that easily like on your phone okay that's really cool huh um you mentioned dude that sounds it sounds really cool with travel because as he like you won't really know do you, so you wouldn't know until you get back from wherever you are what the what the pictures look like right yeah also another thing added with travel is if you're doing x-ray, like if you're going through TSA and there's an x-ray, it will mess up your film. Um, so what I've been doing so far is that I shoot however many rolls wherever I am. And immediately after I'm done with it, I will roll it back into the canister, take the canister out of the um, camera and put it back into like its little pop top case type oh. thing. Um, because that's kind of like light sensitive um, and light safe. Um, but I didn't know that before. So um, before I got like these cameras and took my cameras with me, I would use like disposable cameras, the little green disposable cameras. And that you can't really take the actual film out until like you're developing it. And it's like a you have to break the whole camera to get it out. Um, so I would travel with those and they'd just be like in my carry on or in my like duffel bag. And I develop them and it just all be blank because the x-ray completely ruins the film. So there is that like added, oh my God, this might not even develop properly because I just went through TSA. Wow. Um, but I've kind of like figured out now that I have to like take it out, put it in a light sensitive container or like something encased in metal or something like that so that the x-ray doesn't get through. Um, so you really don't know what you're going to get <laughs> from uh, vacation rolls. Like I went to Florida and I shot, I think three rolls and, um, two of them were okay. The third one was just literally so blurry. You couldn't even tell what I was taking pictures of. Uh, so it's really a hit or miss with either like the TSA x-ray or just shooting in general. That is crazy. Um, yeah, and I can't, I can't imagine it's easy to avoid the tsa being brown no. also another issue they open my stuff all the time so 
I, I remember when I first got into this, um, I'd be traveling with my family. Um, and so when I'd travel, I was always the one like pulled aside and like, like my bag was looked through and my dad would always be like, what the hell is in your bag? Like they have to look through it. And it's literally just like my little tiny Fuji, like Polaroid camera with like the film next to it. And they're like, what's in this? Can we open it? I'm like, no, you cannot open it. It's literally light sensitive. You're going to just ruin my whole thing. Um, and then they have to do like the little swab thing for explosives. And I'm like, I'm literally 13. Like, leave me alone, please. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten that <laughs> when I was six. That was fun. So yeah. six year old. The perils of being brown and going through TSA. It's crazy. Yeah. Especially coming back from Pakistan or somewhere. <laughs> Cause then well, I, haven't, I haven't done international travel in a while. So I don't even remember what like, but we would come from, um Saudi to the states for like summer vacation all the time and it would take forever because like yeah. oh they're brown and they're coming from Saudi mm, that's us two red flags yeah so it, it's crazy but I think domestically I haven't been having that many issues I have TSA pre-check so I think that also helps a lot but um definitely international I think is like, above, uh-huh. like really bad you have to travel a lot to get TSA pre-check? I just kind of applied for it um, because I was tired of literally being searched all the time. So I just, yeah, I literally just applied for it and they gave it to me. So I was like, all right, cool. I guess I'm not, I'm not that sus. Wow. I'm going to have to get on that. I don't know. What? Your your first name is Muhammad Aman. I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah <laughs> they're gonna it, say no instantly I feel like, I feel like it, it might be easier for for girls to get it like brown girls to get it or you just have to have like a government job or something i got it I randomly know. one time so i don't know maybe i'll just yeah, sometimes you get it randomly like on your like little boarding pass yeah, yeah. So, i don't know why they do that but sometimes you get it randomly but i remember like my dad had he uh worked in like so and had to come back and forth like that was there because it's easier for him um but yeah it's i think it's just different for every brown person yeah we'll have our own struggles with the tsa it's a fun time um uh, on the subject of traveling though um which i do love to talk about where all have you been um inside or outside of the u.s um okay so inside the u.s um new york i'm from there um, Florida, my family, my mom's side of the family lives in Florida. Um, we go to, uh, we try to, I guess, when we, I don't know why we're saying we go to, but, um, ski trips in Denver sometimes, um, nice. we were planning one for December, but, um, it just got like really expensive. So, oh, um, yeah. So me and my cousins were just like, yeah, not doing that anymore. Yeah. Um, and then California, that's a nice place. I love, uh, I've only been to like the LA area, so I don't know how the Bay area is or Northern California is, but mm. LA is pretty nice. Um, where else? I, I mean, I live in Virginia now, so DC, go yeah. there all the, right. um, yeah. And then like any of the States that you have to pass through to get to New York, little pit stops there here and there. Yeah. Um, I think we have a few family friends in New Jersey, and uh, I have not been to Texas yet, actually. 
but we have a lot of people in Texas as well that we need to go and visit. Right um, so yeah, yeah. I guess I guess stay wise. I haven't. Of the episode. Sorry. We'll do a live version of the episode. <laughs> we could, yeah, we could. Um, hopefully, maybe in December. Who knows? Um, but yeah, state wise, state wise, I don't think I like have traveled that much. Um, oh, actually, no, I've been to Chicago too. Chicago is a really special place for me because I, I have, um, I have family there as well, and we since like 2017 we've been going every summer. And it's just so fun when we go there. Like, we don't even go to the city that much. It's just, like, we're literally in the suburbs. But, like, the people that I go and stay with there are just so fun to be around that I love going there. Yeah. Um, Mom's actually from Chicago. Yep. <laughs> oh, nice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I love Chicago. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I love it. That's, like, top top three cities. New York first, probably Chicago, and then maybe L.A. Um, but yeah, I, I love, I love going to Chicago. Um, internationally, uh, I go to Canada a lot. My dad's side of the family's Canada, uh, in Canada and we're also half Canadian. Um, so that's where we go a lot mostly. And then we lived in Sodi. So that was, uh, a bulk of our travel. Like we would travel from Sodi to different places. We did like a Europe trip once and we went to... Paris, um, Germany, a lot of Holland. We went through up and down. Um, and then we drove Switzerland and how, whatever countries you need to drive through to get to all these places, we just drove through them. Um, so it was like a little like road trip kind of. That's cool. And cool. Um, Bangladesh and from Bangladesh. So we don't go there often because we don't have family there anymore. They all moved here. Um, but sometimes we'll go and it'll be like a little family, like everyone here will go there and have a reunion there. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's all actually. I don't I, I wanna say I like to travel, but I haven't traveled a lot yet because I'm like still a brown girl in a brown household that can't travel alone. Yeah. So I'm mean, a solid list. Also, yeah, kind of happened. You yeah, know. COVID, yeah, COVID, COVID as well. Yeah, I right now, um, the plan is Florida for Thanksgiving, maybe Texas for winter break, and then I'm trying to do a study abroad in London. Oh, fine. January, sometime in January. I don't know the exact dates because the school hasn't announced yet, but sometime in January, um doing a study abroad there. So hopefully if that doesn't get canceled, I'll be in London in January. That would be but, awesome. Yeah. London is great. Uh, we went there a couple of years ago. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never been, and I've heard it's a really great place. My mom really loves London um, because she uh, spent a lot of time there. She kind of grew up there as well. So that's like one of her favorite spots. And I was like, well, can I do a study abroad there? And she's like, wait, totally go do that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we were there for like a week. It's it's really nice. It's like the most diverse city I've ever been to. Um, yeah, I've heard that a lot. Yeah, like, yeah. and I've been to New York. And, you know, Dallas isn't that diverse, so I can't say that. <laughs> New York has its like 
areas like you have to go to certain areas to see the diversity like if you're in soho that that's just white people but if you go to like brooklyn or jackson heights that's where you see the diversity yeah. mainly just Asians, but <laughs> but you see you see a lot more more over there than i would in, in manhattan yeah chicago's generally yeah. pretty diverse too we've got the whole um brown community in in devon just like all chill yeah. there. It's really great. It's amazing. It feels food like on, food on that street. Food on that street. Oh my um, god. Man. I love it. Yeah. It is amazing. So I don't even like DC food like that. But the food what? in Chicago is is amazing. Okay, like, what cuisine tops DC food? Or what cuisines then in your opinion? Um that's hard. I would say yeah, that's, that's like, what I'm saying. <laughs> No, no, no. Like I, I'm not, I'm not like opposed to Daisy food. I, I'm, you know, Daisy myself. Like obviously, I, I, I have certain uh, likes for Daisy food. Just a surplus um, of it I, at home. Yeah, it's that's what I'm used to. Yeah. You know, so like I, I, I really like Daisy food whenever I go out. It's just I'm like I can eat that at home. Yeah. Exactly. Like I know. I mean, my friends don't ever go like, oh, let's have Indian food for dinner. Like that's not a thing. But if they were to do that, I'd just be like, what the hell, like. Yeah. I can get brown chicken at home. I don't need to go out to eat that. But yeah. um I would say like the what I like more would probably be like Korean or um Japanese. That yeah. is honestly top three for me because I love sushi, I love ramen, I love Korean barbecue, I love hot pot. Like that stuff is like that's where that's oh, what yeah. I like. Just honestly. Chinese food, that's like good food to me. Yeah. Um, it is really because good. it's still, yeah. it's still kind of like, like you're used to it, kind because like Daisy's love Chinese food, so you're yeah. kind of still used to it, but it's like a little bit different. So you yeah. know, like I, that's why I like that a little right. bit more. Dude, the Chinese Indian fusion restaurants are so good, and like Chinese food in Pakistan, it's just it's amazing. Like when it's when it's halal and you can just have like, oh man, it, there's a lot of those kind of restaurants in um, Chicago too. I yeah. don't remember the name, but I remember we went to one. And then the next day we went to seeing a different restaurant literally yeah. across the street. And we had right. like fresh naan and butter chicken. So it's like really diverse that street. Yeah. It's really it's it's really great. Um yeah, I think I know which Chinese restaurant everyone goes to on that one. Um it's called Osmania. And there's like exactly. Um so there's that. And then recently they opened up a new Korean barbecue place. I have to go back and just try all the different foods that they have over there now because everything's changed since I lived there. But they they have a lot of different options as opposed to yeah. Texas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been hearing that Texas has a lot of good options now. That's at what least. I heard too. Okay. We have good burger <laughs> options. Yeah, that's it. Burgers. Okay. And we have Ricky's. That's about it. Oh, yeah, that's true. We that's where the list ends. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are gonna get a Dave's hot chicken though. We've no, had Dave, Dave's hot chicken. Yeah, we have. Don't Dave's don't bring chicken. this up with Omer. It's a it's a yeah, touchy Dave's subject. Dave's hot chicken is mediocre. <laughs> really, I really liked it in California. So maybe the Texas Dave, one is just not good. I don't know. We have a sp- natural hot chicken place here called Ricky's, which is like better, significantly better. Like it's if amazing. Dave's was a four, Ricky's would be like a twelve. Oh, okay. Yeah on my list to try when i go to texas yeah they they have really weird hours though they're not open on tuesdays and wednesdays and on the days they are open they're open from 11 to 2 closed between 2 and 4 and open again between 4 and 7 
So basically, never. Thirty hours a week. There's there's yeah. thirty hours within the week. She worked there during opening hours. She wouldn't be working full time. Yeah. I want to know who wants to get up at eleven and have like what is it, like Nashville hot chicken? Hey, what's wrong with getting up at eleven and having Nashville hot chicken? <laughs> what are you trying to say? They have chicken and waffles. Well, I have to. I, I think I have to. Item. Sorry, say that. They have chicken and waffles. I'm pretty sure that's a breakfast item. It is really oh, good. Well, chicken and waffles is like different. Like I'm saying, like with the spicy stuff. Like who gets up at eleven and eats that? That's what I'm saying. But I think I'm saying that because I like really like sweet stuff in the morning. So chicken, no. That yeah. I would never do. yeah, that's fair. we have a lot of like Asian dessert places here. Yeah, we yeah. have a lot of those over here too. Um, there's a very very high population of like Korean uh people nice. in. I think it's called. Annandale um so that's where like all like the Korean barbecues are um nice. good hot pot all those like dessert places that you guys have like have halal Korean barbecue we have halal Korean barbecue in DC I don't know about Virginia yet but DC there's one um in Shaw called uh Gogi Yogi I believe that one, it's pretty good. Um, I mean, it's only the only Korean barbecue I've ever wow. had, so I, I think it's pretty good. Um, but they're not, like, fully halal. They just have, like, halal, like, meats that you can mm-hmm. order for your grill and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it's pretty good. I've heard that other places are better, but they're not. Yeah. Be, yeah. Been, so, yeah. We, yeah, we don't really have that. We yeah. just have, we have a good Thai place and a good Asian fusion place. Yeah. That, and that Asian fusion place is owned by the same people who own the Thai place. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like those places are a little bit easier because it's like seafood-centric kind of. Like, you don't have to have meat there. So, technically, you could go to but But for Korean barbecue, you need, like, yeah. meat to meat. So, that has to be, like, halal for sure. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I need to try. Yeah. I know Omer told me about those uh, halal tacos in Virginia. And oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's a good place. We have no halal taco places in our area, which is weird. And we're, There's and like, we're right next to Mexico, yeah, exactly. Like, you would think there would be some halal tacos in Texas. We, but, we had okay. one like a year and a half ago, but they came from Buffalo. Oh, yeah, that place. Okay, so then you should open one, you should open a spot. It, it's so like an empty market. Yeah, you uh, should. Oh, it'll be the first halal one. Maybe you can have some like little. Actually, Asian we have a halal food there. truck in Dallas called Halal Mother Truckers. That's oh, great. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> There's a lot of halal taco spots here. Actually, it's not just Taco Zacalo. The other ones are a little bit farther, and most of them are in Maryland. So I have not been because I don't want to drive from Maryland. It's too far. Yeah. But um, the one that I did try is called Little, little Minor Taco in um brentwood dc that one is that one's really good i like that one more than taco zocalo because it's like a lot more authentic i feel like taco zocalo is just like the same three types of meat just cooked in a different sauce and then it's on the same corn tortilla but then little minor has like they're known for the video tacos with the consomme and it's like really yeah i don't don't have standards after living here Yeah, I, I had standards when I lived in Chicago and then I came here, though I will I will give Dallas a little bit of credit. The food around Richardson and some of the spots in Frisco are pretty nice. So, 
Yeah, I mean, we've yeah. got like a few places. We, we have nice. like we have like a few really good standouts, but like the overall scene is yeah, overall scene is not great. Yeah, like, I think I've I think, heard I've yeah. heard that there's like, some good ones, and then the rest are just okay. Yeah, yeah, like for burgers, yeah, I think we probably haven't covered from every angle. Yeah, a bit too much. Honestly, yeah. But, um, dude, have I taken you to SNS yet? We have to go to SNS one of these uh, days. It's have you heard of it? There's one yeah. that opened up relatively closer, and so let me tell you guys: they have hot Cheetos Zinger burgers and hot Cheetos Philly cheese steaks, and they are great. <laughs> it is so unhealthy. Like you feel, you feel terrible. I won't lie to you. You eat it, and you just instantly like. It's it's a horrible feeling afterwards, but in the moment, it is amazing. It is so good. Disgusting. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> I I hate Cheetos, and anytime what? I hear, oh my god, there's like Cheeto crusted elote, or so I'm like, nah, that's what I don't like it. I, Wait, so I don't, you don't, don't you don't like Cheetos by themselves either, though. Yeah, no, I don't. Yes. I don't like chips. Like in yeah, general. I'm not the biggest chip fan either. Yeah, like I. Come on, guys. I'm not gonna like want to snack on chips, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, like I, I like chips and like a sandwich to add texture. But oh, those like, are great. Like, yeah. I I like chips with um. It's gonna sound weird, but I like chips with spaghetti. What? Oh, I know, I know what you. So it's like a thing my dad does, and it has to be a certain kind of chip. It has to be the ruffles. Uh from i think lays yeah. um and it has to be just the regular potato chip and then the spaghetti has to be spicy and it has to be cooked a lot softer not al dente yeah they go and crazy in pakistan over those soft spaghetti but then like a crunch of chip on top of it and it's really good i it actually is. really I've like never heard of those. i i actually really that's the only time i like actually want to put chips on my plate oh yeah um, it's yeah, great the contrast is great yeah, I just I don't really like the 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 Cheeto vibe. That's not that's not my vibe. I don't like Cheetos. Okay. Well, yeah. I I'm sure it's great. Cheetos. I'm sure it's great. I just I would never put that in my body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I well, mean, you'd probably keep your uh, lifespan longer by not putting. Oh in your yeah, one hundred percent. I cut a few my, years my off to have that. Probably been cut in half. I my my brother would definitely eat that in yeah. a heartbeat. Oh dude. yeah. My brother was so excited. After eating it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> but, um, I, can't, I, can't, I can't bring myself to eat something like that. Well, dude, I will eat the craziest things as long as, as, long as it's halal, bro. I just, I just want to try some random stuff. Yeah, I mean, if it if if you find it and you're you're going you want to go for it, then go for it. That's what I would say. Yeah. A lot I mean, of weird stuff to try out over here too um, what's the most outrageous food over there you would, would you say that you've tried I, would, I wouldn't say it's like outrageous it's okay. just cool like the concept of it is cool there's this halal um korean mexican place so they have, they have bulgogi bowls but with like pico and salsa and like what like they it's a fusion of like mexican korean stuff and it's really good like they have they have bulgogi tacos like they're amazing um so i like that kind of stuff because it's like 
two of my favorite cuisines together. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it's like Pakistani owned. So even like the Mexican Korean stuff what? is like kind of date. Like it's a little like you you feel like a desi vibe. Yeah, with- like somebody just threw a little bit of chaat masala into it. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> so you're like having it, and you're like, mm, okay, like this is supposed to be Korean Mexican, but like I am getting like not that vibe completely. Yeah. But um, my favorite thing from them is their bulgogi fries. Oh my god, it is so good because the fries, even though like they're doused in like sauce and like big chunks of bulgogi, um, they're still really crispy and it's like a really small, like tiny little carton of the stuff, but you are so full after. It's like that's what I would think I would feel like if I had these like Cheeto crusted things. <laughs> Because it's just so heavy, but it's so good, and you just finish the whole thing. That, that's what, what I'm realizing during this uh, is that no one takes me anywhere when I go to Virginia. <laughs> I think the same thing, actually, because when you guys are here, you guys are just, like, in the house, just vibing, that's and tough. we'll come over, and we'll have, like, biryani and sit, and then, and then you guys are going back to Texas again. So, yeah. And then the last time, you, the last time your brothers came, we took them to uh, to get pizookies, which you can get literally anywhere in the United States. We, we get that here. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. I was just so confused. I was like, okay, it was like the most last minute plan ever. Um, your uh, Hadra literally texted me and was like, "Hey, we're pizookies. Do you want to come?" And I was like, when? And she's like, literally right now. And I was like, okay, cool. So we literally got into the car, went there. Everyone was like, had their pazookies. And then um, we ate. And it was a Tuesday, so it's like half off. Oh, and, um, Yeah. And then they ordered like three to take home as well. And I was just like so confused because it was like the most last minute randomest plan ever. And um, yeah. And then they just packed up their three pazookies and went home. And I was like, okay, cool. Wow. Well, I mean, it sounds like there's just so many cool food spots. When you um, talked about the Mexican-Korean fusion place, I remember this one time that uh, my mom was making Chinese food, right? And she needed to get like that, that like thin kind of beef or like that, you know, the kind of beef that you use in like Mongolian beef or something like that. <laughs> and she couldn't find it. So she had to get fajita meat. <laughs> she had to get uh, like it, w- it was just like the perfect kind of beef. And she put that into like this Chinese dish with like fried rice and it was, oh my god, dude! It ended up being so good. <laughs> I just like I, on accident. Uh, yeah, a lot of times the stuff that I end up liking is like stuff I'll make on accident, um, and it's so good. And it's usually Chinese or like Asian inspired food because that's oh, like what know. is kind of it's time consuming, but it's like kind of the easiest to make. So I love. I love uh, yeah, I have a like really good food. sandwich that I tend to make sometimes he's been telling me about oh. it for like a year now <laughs> yeah so uh so you never tried it nope yeah. i really need to I've, I've told you several times uh but like uh so the asian fusion place we have over here um they have this bento box and they usually give some kimchi with it so mm-hmm. i had a whole bunch of leftover kimchi that i didn't know what to do with right and so uh we had some sourdough bread left in the fridge so i used that uh the kimchi some roast beef uh, some honey mustard and some onions, and I made a sandwich with that, and it was it was the best sandwich I've ever had. That sounds really good, like really good. <laughs> I would eat that. 
it's just, just I mean, the combination of all the flavors and textures was just perfect. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. I loved kimchi dip in the Korean barbecue spot that we go to. Um, they have like you know the little sides that you have with Korean barbecue, and their kimchi is like, they're, it's good. It's not it's not bad, but I've had better kimchi. But they have this side that is like um, kind of like kimchi cucumber a little. If you could, it's called muchen. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but. When me and Safa went, my sister, we went and we had that. She's been obsessed with it ever since. So she'll literally go through like, I would say like eight cucumbers in maybe three days. And she just makes it herself with the sesame oil and the gochujang and all that stuff. Like she'll just make it herself and she'll just have a whole bowl of just pickled cucumber. And it's great. It's, it tastes amazing, but she just is obsessed with it. And she oh, yeah. makes it like every she, two she days. She doesn't like a lot of food. Uh, yeah, and she yeah. hates food. So it's crazy that she like really, but it's like not the best thing to be obsessed with because she's just like having spicy pickled yeah. cucumbers every single day. So uh, <laughs> not the best thing to be obsessed yeah. over, but yeah. I mean, it's something that it, it tastes honestly really, really good. And yeah. I love it. That doesn't sound good, but I don't think I'm in a good position to say anything right now. <laughs> yeah i'm getting i'm getting really hungry <laughs> from this conversation uh, and unfortunately dallas has nothing so well ricky's is open right now that's true <laughs> it is it is it is open right now and, um, yeah so let's uh segue from that yeah <laughs> we've talked about food for a decent amount um so I saw that earlier in the year you had uh, some uh, project about fast fashion. I believe you did it for a class. Mm -hmm. uh, so could you just uh, talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah. Um, so the project itself was for um, a marketing and advertising class that I was taking. Um, I'm studying marketing and advertising. So basically in the class, we just had to come up with like a campaign that we were kind of like passionate about. Um, and we like literally came up with like a mock campaign. So we had, um, mock-ups of ads of like social media posts, um, press releases. Uh, I think we also had like a mock-up, like first page of like a website. And basically it was just like a semester long project of, um, let's say you were given a budget and you could come up with any um, campaign you wanted to, what would you do and why? And then like explain it through your media and your mock-ups and whatnot. So I was in charge of um, running like the social media account and we made like an Instagram, we made content for it and we'd post a lot. Um, and that was like put into our presentation at the end. And we had just like a lot of research about um, the actual like campaign, which is like fast fashion and how it's like harmful for the environment and just how much of an issue it is in like the realm of, yeah. um, fashion and just consumer consumerism in general. Um, so it, it's something that I'm really passionate about because I myself, um, try my best not to buy anything that is like fast, like super fast fashion, um, so you could say like Shein or, um, H&M or just things that just don't have the best, um, <clears throat> metric, um, 
when it comes to the environment. A lot of these places, um, they they tried to say that they like have the best practices. Like for example, H and M has like a lot of sustainable cotton or like sustainable recycled materials in their clothing, but um, the labor is still outsourced from like Bangladesh or Nepal or Sri Lanka, and they're not being paid that much. The warehouses are not great. There's a lot of abuse that happens in these warehouses. The product quality is not that great either. Um, even though it's like recycled material, it's yeah. it falls apart after like two seasons of wearing it. Um, so I like kind of like promised myself. I think this was maybe my freshman year of college um, that I try to just like thrift or buy secondhand or buy vintage, like stuff that's like already in circulation, um, yeah. uh, like in the market. Just so I'm not like adding to this like consumerist kind of mentality of just like buying things whenever you need it and then you throw it away after two uses because it's just such poor quality yeah. um so i do that a lot and then so when the professor was like okay what are you guys passionate about let's brainstorm some ideas of you know campaigns that you guys can like focus on so my pitch was fast fashion and the effects of it on the environment um and ethical effects too and then a lot of others was, um, this was like uh, during the height of like the Black Lives Matter movement, like this like semester right after that. So um, that was another topic that was chosen. And then a few other topics on like mental health or um, just like overall good topics, but like something I, I genuinely did want to research was like the effects of this. So that was the the main thing for my um, project the whole semester. And it was a good project. We got a pretty good grade on it. Um, and the information that I had researched for the project was like, it was beneficial for the project itself, but also for me to like understand why I am thrifting and buying secondhand and stuff. Cause there's a lot that isn't said about the fashion industry and how it affects not only the environment cause I mean, there's so many big corporations that affect the environment. So you can't really just blame it only on the like clothing and textile industry, yeah. but just the abuse and like the neglect and the horrible conditions that these people are under in these factories. It really, you know, resonates something with me because I'm Bengali myself and I always hear about like these factories that these girls are literally working at making these clothes for you know for another person in the states or in europe to just buy and wear for two months and then throw out um so yeah it's something that i'm really passionate about and thrifting is also great i found amazing things that were either vintage or designer even for like 20 bucks um and i love it literally my last thrift i got a london fog um trench coat they usually like 150 if you buy like brand new i've been to a thrift store before and i found them for like 50 i went on ebay i also am obsessed with ebay because i just like rediscovered it kind of i've been bidding on a lot of things that i don't need to be bidding on (laughs) i have i love it and so i found the trench coat and it was originally like 50 bucks but you could send an offer so i sent an offer like literally lowballed the person the lady i was like 20 bucks Shipping was $5 and she accepted the offer. So I got a basically brand new trench coat for 25 bucks when it's like 200 bucks. If you buy them, you know, 
new. Yeah. So yeah, it's something I'm really, really passionate about. I love thrifting and I love buying like secondhand off of like eBay or Depop or what yeah. else is there? You know, like Facebook marketplace even. Like there's like a lot of good stuff that's already out there. 100%. And you don't need to support these like big corporations that wanna market like sustainable clothing to you, but it's really not that sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. PSA for everyone out there. Just you don't have to go to H and M and all these other stores in the mall. Yeah, you don't. Their quality also sucks, I have to yeah. say. Like, it's not good quality stuff. And the price does not reflect that. Like it's like 30 bucks for a sweater and then there's holes in it the next winter yeah. weird definitely not worth it um <clears throat> I, yeah those those conditions are like it's it's really sad that this is still happening even after there's just been so much co- that's come out about it um mm-hmm. it's it's really sad um you guys this is like somewhat related um but it's also more towards like poverty specifically actually in bangladesh i believe um, have you guys heard of Muhammad Yunus? Uh, yeah. Not the microfinancing guy. Yeah, the microfinancing guy. Basically, um, and I may I may butcher the story, but something that he did, um, he was really concerned about poverty in Bangladesh specifically, and so what he did uh, was a system of microfinancing where he would give someone um, just the ability to, like create something like really really simple say like you know making a basket or something like that and then going out and selling it and so he would just provide them with like the materials to make something really simple and go out and sell it and once they started making money he would just ask for whatever he had offered back and then they would have their own successful like mini business and um he did this in bangladesh and it actually helped a lot with poverty in that area. I would definitely recommend you look up Muhammad Yunus because he, I mean, he got a Nobel Peace Prize for it. I'm probably not doing any justice to his story, but um, he did a whole lot just for that area in particular. Um, and it was called microfinancing. He came up with this system to just help people by investing in, in them and telling them like, hey, you can go out and, and create these things and, and make a living for yourself. And um, it seemed like a, like a really, really cool system. Um, so I'm I'm personally interested in those like solutions because I feel like a lot of people get stuck into this, you know, like they have one option, right? Like a lot of people will grow up in these areas and think like they have to work for a factory that's going to make things like fast fashion and then just, you know, it, it get gets exported to, to the United States and they don't really have another option. So providing people with something like through something like microfinancing, like those ideas talking about things like that and figuring out how to how to get through that. I just I find that really interesting. And I think that's something that if we if we really do want to solve these issues, then we would have to think outside the box and come up with something like that. So I just thought that was a cool story. Um, and I know you guys are from Bangladesh. So Ahmed Yunus is, is really cool. Yeah, I, I don't think I've heard of him before, but I'm definitely going to check that out. Because um, that sounds really good. Honestly, I think a lot of people in Bangladesh are, as you were saying, like kind of stuck in that like cycle of, okay, how am I going to get out? How am I going to provide? And labor is cheap, unfortunately there. Yeah. So that's what they turn to. And there's a lot more that you, they could be doing with like, you know, the actual resources if they were given that. Um, I think business would be amazing there. I mean, the economy oh, yeah. has 
so many ways to like grow there if like the resources were available mm -hmm. and yeah, technically they are available sorry say that again oh yeah because i was like we because bangladesh has a lot of natural resources that could be used but right mm -hmm. now it just gets used for foreign corporations and yeah exactly that's what i'm saying like the resources <laughs> the yeah. resources are literally there like they're just sitting there but like the corporations that are already big enough over there don't think that it's like worthy to like put it back into their own economy um and then that's why you have these many like factories that not on stable foundations they literally break down and they kill people and then the you know the actual like factories and like the conditions in the factories themselves are horrific they're literally like you have you have 12 11 like nine-year-olds working on these huge in these huge factories with mostly men um directing them around and stuff and so there's i mean unfortunately there's like high amounts of rape and abuse and just horrific things that a lot of these people that advocate for sustainability don't actually show yeah. you like they're like yeah we need to stop shop sustainably we need to make sure that we're not buying fast fashion great that's a great thing to do but it completely defeats the purpose if you're buying something sustainable and it's still made in like these um third world countries yeah. that you know the the thing is just not sustainable in all aspects maybe the maybe the material is but the labor isn't and so I think that was like the biggest thing that I focused on um, in the project as well, because yeah. I can say as much as I want, oh, shop sustainably, shop secondhand. Um, don't support corporations that say that they're sustainable, but they have bad labor practices. I can say that as much as I want, but at the end of the day, if you're still going to have bad labor, then the sustainability part is non-existent. Um, and I think the textile industry only contributes to like 2.5%, which is a lot. And I'm not saying it's not a lot. It's a lot. But I mean, you have like other big corporations that are in the tens to 20% to like, you know, the ozone depletion and just yeah. the environment in general. So there's a lot that needs to be done in that kind of like sector for things to actually look up for these kind of countries and these companies too. Um, they're making yeah. these prop this all this profit off of this labor for what like just to do it again and have yep. bad quality it's it needs to change yeah for sure it's a it's a really bad cycle um yeah i think I, i'm taking a marketing class too that's actually like not exactly the same because we're working specifically with nonprofit organizations but one thing that they talk about is if you're a company and like you need to um, increase like your marketing campaign needs to increase your brand recognition um, and then you know like actually make a difference as well if you're if you're trying to get people on your side so um, you know we talked a lot about like which industries or like which companies should focus on which problems and so mm -hmm. you know one of the things that we would talk about in that class is you know H&M would want to focus on labor right like things like that if they said you know they wanted to um you know Im improve um you know working conditions in certain countries and that would be like like the thing is it would benefit everyone because you know people would start liking their company again and people wouldn't have to work in factories for 16 hours a day in terrible conditions and so it's 
it's really just greed that ends up like keeping it from happening because it's like, okay, well, we're going to make more money. And I don't understand how anyone can get to the position where you can look the problem in the eyes and say that, okay, if I do this, the world will be a better place and maybe our company will get, will, people will like it better or I can have more money and they take the, the option that only benefits them. And it's, um, it's really sad that that's like become a standard nowadays and everyone that's at the top, I'm not like, I, I don't know what, like what their thought process is going into these things and, and thinking about it. I, I genuinely want to know, like, how do you, how do you see these things happening and in, within your own company? And I, you know, this, this one time actually, so it was very interesting because a lot of these companies have this issue. And so someone found out that Apple had, you know, like really bad working conditions in a lot of their areas where they were, where they were manufacturing their phones. And so somebody told Steve jobs, like, this is, this is an issue within your company. And so unlike most people that wouldn't have even responded, he was like, I actually did not know about that. Let me find out what's going on for you and I'll get back to you. And I think that's what we need more of right now is like people that are actually like, instead of saying, oh, like, I don't think that's happening, like most companies would right now, or just, you know, giving some excuse or ignoring it completely altogether, like a lot of places do, actually thinking and then trying to find out like, okay, what is happening within my own company? Because I feel like at the top, they just don't know what's going on in a lot of these areas. And if they do, and they find out, they're like, okay, we'll just pretend it's not happening. Whereas, you know, like in that example, Steve Jobs was actually willing to go, I'm not sure if things got any better, but that's a, an appropriate response to something like that. And if he were to actually go out of his way to find out what's going on within his own company and trying to better that, of course, he should have known in the first place. But, um, you know, I think that's what we need more of right now in terms of leadership and um, people like Muhammad Yunus who actually want to make a difference for like a good reason right now. Um, it's, it's definitely something that's lacking. I completely agree with that. I honestly think it's just like the corporate greed that all these big corporations and companies have. Like, let's take H&M for an example. They make millions in revenue, right? And the whole um, movement of, I guess, just shopping sustainably and making sure that the products that you are buying are sustainable, it's pretty big. Um, it's like a thing that they, a lot of companies use sometimes that even if they aren't sustainable, they try to be sustainable. And it's greenwashing. Yeah. Um, and so if instead of doing that and actually paying the labor well, it benefits you know the labor, it benefits the company as well. And then the stuff that you have is already sustainable. That's already like a marketing ploy that is used widely to get things to sell. Oh, yeah. it's sustainable. Oh, it's recycled. Mm -hmm. And so I honestly think like sales would go up if you did that. Like, cause yeah. if you are like, for example, there are, there are companies that are B corporation. They, um, pass these tests that are put through them, rigorous tests put through these corporations or companies. And if they pass them, that means they are somewhat a level of a good sustainable brand because they are not negatively impacting the environment. Their labor is um, ethical. And those companies have good sales because a lot of people want these sustainable items, sustainable goods. And it would honestly help companies like H&M or Shein or Forever 21 if they did that. Because 
it would be a little bit out of their pocket to be sustainable and pay their labor well, but yeah. their labor paid well. People understand that they could potentially be, become B Corp and then sales go up and it helps everyone. It also helps the economy. So it's honestly just not being done because of greed. Like that's, yeah. that's yeah. the only, that's the only explanation to it. There's not there. Like if it helps everyone and you're not doing it, then what, what really is the issue there? You know? Yeah. I think as the, yeah, I think a big part of why big corporations are often the ones perpetrating this is that the bigger you know your company gets, the more detached it becomes from people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Lot, it, as you become bigger and bigger, it's a lot easier to see people as just numbers. Yeah. On yes. Your computer screen, right? Because you're not because you know these CEOs, uh, CFOs, they board members, they're not seeing anything happening they're not interacting with any workers at all so mm-hmm. um, you know i'm sure i'm sure plenty of them are just heartless bastards but like i'm sure for a lot of them yeah. you know it's easy to do what they do because they don't they can it's not within sight so they can just ignore what's happening yeah it's i mean you can just pretend it's yeah when it, well, yeah because when because when you're you know sitting in your boardroom in new york and la it's easy to ignore you know people getting hurt in thailand and bangladesh and nepal because yep. that's happening over there yeah, yeah. and it, it's it's out of it's out of sight out of mind kind of for them yeah. so they're like how is it going to benefit us if we pay a little bit more for sustainable you know business yeah, model? And oftentimes you know when people do call them out on like you know lack of worker diversity equal pay whatever they'll put like they'll put up an aesthetic like you know yeah they'll, we're diverse here's a whole bunch of you know brown models that we'll hire for one ad and you know let go after yeah, that literally they'll scramble to diversify but when you really look in behind the curtain it's like white men just pulling all the oh, strings yeah. oh, um and it's crazy. That actually reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen like Rotten Tomato scores for Eternals. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but it's like... not looking high. Yeah, Yeah, they're pretty low. It's like 65, 4, mm-hmm. 60 something percent for critics. I don't critics. trust Rotten Tomatoes, but continue. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't either, but... <laughs> it's an um, aggregator. I that I was seeing understand rotting tomatoes a lot of the times it's not it's not really a review system it just counts the percentage of positive reviews it, right but the what i'm trying to say is that um the it's low for a marvel yeah. movie it's low yeah critics are saying whatever and when so i saw this on twitter actually but when you kind of pull back the curtain and you see who is like who the critics are it's white men and then it's white women yeah. And then it's men of color, and then it's uh, women of color, right? So if you have over seventy-five percent of your critics white, and they're criticizing a, you know, or critiquing, sorry, a movie that is like as diverse as it is for a Marvel yeah. movie, mm-hmm. obviously the scores are going to be low. Um, so the thing I saw on Twitter was um, actually Brie Larson had this. Um, each. I forgot exactly for what organization, but she was talking about how the critics are mainly, this was in, in 2017, I believe. And she was talking about how the critics are mainly white people 
And, you know, white people are not going to understand a movie that is meant for diversity, a movie that is diverse, a movie that is meant for women of color or men of color or just a diverse movie like Eternals. You know, the cast itself is so diverse. Um, And so she was literally like saying how it's an issue. And right after that kind of speech, that company, Rotten Tomatoes, they scrambled to diversify. And I saw these black um, critics were saying we were literally only hired because Brie Larson literally exposed Rotten Tomatoes. And that's kind of like, I feel like that's how it is for all these big corps. Like it's just all white people behind the curtain, really pulling all the strings. And they attempt to be like diverse by like hiring a few black people or a few brown people and like putting them into like the front and the center. And yeah, just have, especially like, an issue in Hollywood. They really, yeah, they really like putting up this front that yeah, we're so diverse and yeah. accepting. But then you you know you it's look good. at the award yeah. ceremonies and you're mm-hmm. like, Par- like the only notable foreign movie that's ever won the Oscars was Parasite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's something crazy. Here and they're just awful. Like. <laughs> Uh, yeah. stuff like your name and weathering with you which were lo- or like the demon slayer movie last year like these all came from abroad right and mm-hmm. like they were like demon slayer was the biggest movie of last year like it made yeah. like 600 million and yeah. it didn't get a single oscar nomination yeah that's i mean it's sad honestly and <clears throat> i think something um similar to what you were mentioning happened with uber because they um you know, and like face value, you would think like, okay, this is really great what they're doing. And it was during, uh, it was last year when a lot of stuff was happening with Black Lives Matter and Uber wanted to support. So they had this sign um, in an area where there was a lot of people that would see that sign. Um, and it said, if you're racist, don't take Uber, right? And so initially you would think, okay, wow, they're willing to tank their sales, you know, and get people to, I mean, obviously I don't think I, I guess some people might see that and think like, oh, you know, like, I'm not racist, but that's a fan. I don't know who would see that and not take over because of it, but they're risking their sales because of that. Um, and you would think that that's really great, but then they got a ton of backlash and uh, it was crazy when our marketing professor explained it to us and it was because they don't have good hiring practices. So if they're not hiring minorities and for the, then they're going to put up a billboard trying to support them, then everyone's going to say, hey, no, you're fake. This is, it's like, it's like the equivalent of greenwashing, but in terms of, um, it's you know, very diversity. performative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very performative. And I, that's what I think a lot of these corporations do that. They're just very performative just to get, you know, it's like a marketing thing. They're just to get people talking like, oh my God, mm-hmm. do you see what did uber sales go up people choose uber more and then the backlash also helps them too because they're like oh my god everyone's talking about uber let's talk about uber and it just goes up from there and it's used by a lot of people but you know that's for marketing purposes it's just performative and very very surface level it's it doesn't go beyond the curtain and beyond the corporation it's very very just Mm honestly it is yeah um it's it's tough right now uh for a lot of uh minorities because i mean and and i think like it's so i don't know how related this is honestly my my head just goes somewhere but i thought it was interesting um to say the least and so i don't know if you guys uh have watched any jordan peterson but um i have like looked at some of his stuff and i swear to god i know (laughs) 
Hey, why are you looking at me like that? Um, not a Jordan Peterson fan. Yeah, I, I, I figure you wouldn't be. Um, and so that's why that's why I brought this up is because he, he has said some stuff that's controversial uh, in regards to um, white supremacy in particular. And so the title of the YouTube video literally was Jordan Premise, Jordan Peterson thinks um, or like Jordan Peterson says white supremacy doesn't exist. Um, and so I was like, dude, that's that doesn't make any sense. Like, cause it, cause it does clearly, um, you know, it's a problem right now. Um, but what he's talking about and some of it was true. Some of it don't really agree with, I don't agree with everything that he says. Um, <clears throat> but it was interesting because he's talking about majority bias. And so he was saying like anywhere where there's a majority of, you know, like some population, um, there will get like there will be a bias towards that majority. And then that you see it right now in the United States where, and I think it's mostly in the United States instead of a lot of other places, or at least we mostly see it in the United States. Um, but there's this, you know, this bias and, and it's, I don't know like how it happens because it, I, I, I don't understand how difficult it could be to just evaluate everyone equally. If you're a hiring manager and you have all of these different candidates, just evaluate them based on their skill. Um, but then somehow we've gotten this, you know, like disproportionate amount of, of the majority being placed into good working positions and then the minorities get left to jobs that aren't as good, which is why you see a disproportionate amount of minorities in lower income areas. Um, and it's... And the thing is, like, these days, like, it's not like white people are a huge majority anymore in the United States. Yeah. Like yeah, that. they're actually not. It, it's become a lot different. And so now you see, like, how are, how is the population of people working in corporations so predominantly white and above, like, a certain age and male, right? And so now you're starting to think, like, well, that's not really, like, it's not that, it's not like 70 to 80% of people in the US or old white males, like that's not, that doesn't make any sense. And I, I don't know the exact numbers on it, but um, it's just, and and then they try to correct it um, by, by hiring minorities and then things happen like what happened with Uber, or I mean, Uber wasn't even trying to hire minorities, but then, you know, things like Rotten Tomatoes, it just seems very superficial that they're trying to hire um, minorities because it's like, well, you're not really recognizing anyone for being hardworking. You're just kind of hiring the next minority that you can find. And it's for your own personal gain, very clearly for your own personal gain. Um, whereas if you had done this at the first place and just been fair towards everyone, wouldn't have yeah. been an issue. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and it's just that, like, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, it's just very like, you know, they're only doing it because they got called out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the only reason. It's like saying yeah. sorry when someone tells you you need to apologize. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The thing is with like these corporations when they hire just just to fill quotas, like the women and the minorities working there tend to their lives in the corporations tend to be a living hell. Like you hear yeah. about the things that happen at like tech companies like Activision Blizzard. Like they did yeah. they did hire women. They did hire people of color. But like all the white guys, they made their lives horrible. Like, yeah, like ah, uh, like they're under like lawsuits from like two different federal corporations because of the amount of you know harassment and things like that that went on. Just because you know, yeah, sure, you hired minorities, but you didn't create, you didn't put them in, uh, you know, higher positions. You didn't create a safe working space for them. You just 
put them there with all these people who clearly didn't want them there. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and there's this like system that's already put in place here in corporate America where like the racism is not as apparent as it was before, obviously, but it's still there. I mean, there's microaggressions. Women in the workplace are just not valued the way they should be. Um, people of color in the workplace are completely undervalued, yeah. in my opinion. And it's just how like systemic it is like in America. Like that's literally how it is here. I'm sure it's like that in a lot of other like countries as well. Um, but I honestly don't think it's as bad as it is over here. Like I know there's so many countries that are super duper racist and that also is like translated into their corporate workplaces too. Um, for example, um, I take French for my major and um, one of my professors actually worked um, for the French embassy and um, she's Pakistani, um, but she literally was born and raised in, in Paris. Like she, she is French. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and she worked in, uh, the French, um, embassy over here in DC and, um, the, she had to sue them for, um, unlawful termination and harassment because they fired her, um, because she got pregnant. And so they fired her because she didn't know how to, like, I, I, she even like, we got really close over the semester and she told me, um, kind of like what had happened. And I even read, like, I was like really curious and I searched her up and I read like some of the court documents even. And there was this one manager that had said like, oh, she's, um, uh, I think it was like a dirty Taliban or dirty Paki, something like that. Oh and how she like doesn't know how to um, use like family planning. Like, why would you do this if you have like a job like this? And it's like a lot of yeah. stuff that you never would think someone would say like out loud. But it was like her like manager saying it out loud to like an intern or, or a receptionist or something like that. And I, I mean, that's just that's just France, like France. Has yeah. whole world. <laughs> but, but that yeah. was like like in america like that was in dc like it's not like we're in paris france or sorbonne yeah. or something we're in dc and she and like she's a she's a woman herself a white woman and she's saying these things and you're just like okay why is this happening yeah um it's just that's how it is in these like corporate workspaces it's just very racist and you there's, I mean, a lot of people want to change that, obviously, but it's, it's not going to change. It, I mean, I don't think in the next few years, probably not, maybe in the next like 50, 100 years, maybe when like the white, like white people are just not the majority anymore. But as of right now, I don't think it would change. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation um, because, yeah, there's just a lot of like, um, I don't know. I feel, I, 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 again, like you said, I don't know how someone could say something like that out loud. Right. Yeah. And so, however, and it's like, you know, like court documents, like it's not, it's, she didn't like make it up. It's like literally in an affidavit, like it's like, and it's public, like you can read it and everything. And she has her, like that manager has her job. I think she like moved to Paris. Like it's like God. crazy how yeah. it's like just overlooked. Um, and it, that's probably just not even like the first time it happened, you know, like 
I came to know of it because she was my professor and she's Pakistani. And, you know, she told me about it. But, like, that's happened multiple times, not just, like, in France, but I'm saying, like, in general. Like, that's probably happened so many times that a lot of people are just not aware, aware of because yeah. of how much, like, there's just, like, you know, you're sweeping everything under the rug. There's yeah. so many, you know, cover-ups. Definitely. Um, I think there has been um, a decent amount of change, at least recently, um, or at least publicly. Um, it, it seems like people are, are trying to be more understanding. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's very deeply rooted in some areas. And I mean, it has to be like there it has to because like one would think looking at everything that's going on right now okay we're, we should all be on the same page right now like right we're, we're in america and all these things are going on we understand all of them are wrong right and somehow somewhere along the way i i don't know what steps it takes to get to the point where you would be able to say something like that or do something that that is as horrible as what happens to people uh, around the world. And like we talked about with corporate greed, get to the point where you would value your own personal gain over benefiting probably millions of people, um, mm -hmm. or at the very least thousands, tens of thousands. And it's just getting to that point um, is something I, I just want to know what steps someone would take to become that kind of a person and how we can stop it in its tracks because it's like, it, it feels like they're so detached. How, how could you, how could you possibly be so detached that none of this stuff affects you? I, I don't understand it. Yeah. I agree though, that we have made some progress. I'm not going to say we're like, you know, still in the fifties and it's like mad men era. Like yeah. obviously we've made, we've made progress. I'm not saying we haven't, but just like the amount of progress we've made is not enough. It's like there should be more. There should be more Which in play. People there... can benefit from what happens right now for it to change quickly. Yeah, I, it's mm -hmm. just like whether it's just a little slow. Yeah, like yeah. that's in my opinion. Properly, uh, you know, liberal or conservative. If you're a white person, you benefit from the systems of racism that are already in place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Um. Well. Um. I guess since we're, we're nearing the end, um, we've talked about a lot of things. Um, I do appreciate you bringing up what you did in your marketing class um, for the Fast Fashion Initiative. That was really, really cool. Um, and you gave us a, a sort of uh, PSA about um, where shop and how to get good clothes without even uh, having to go to all these uh, fast fashion places. So that was really cool. Um, but as we close, uh, if there's anything else that you want um, that you're super passionate about, whether it be with fast fashion or, you know, um, anything else that we've talked about, um, any sort of advice or anything that you want to put out there for people to know or to, or to learn from in your experience, let us know. Okay. Well, I would honestly just say, um, I've come a long way to, um, I guess figure out myself and figure out what I want in life and just, um, I'd say like mentally to uh, be prepared to, you know, be an adult and work and just also be a good person. Um, I think all I'd have to say is like, just be easy on yourself. Uh, the world is a crazy dark place, but it will most likely end up working out for you in the end. Um, 
it took me a long time to like realize that for myself and I would like beat myself up about it and especially being like brown um not a man like you you have these kind of notions in your head about am I even gonna make it um like in this country and that I think is how a lot of people think um especially being brown I think that's how a lot of people think like we're already a minority we have to do so much more and go the extra mile to even be like given the same chances any other person that isn't a minority is given um so I would just say that um it's hard it gets hard at certain points but being going a little easier on yourself and like kind of understanding that a lot of things do work out in the end or they'll work out when you like least expect it to work out. I think just keeping that in mind and being a little bit more kind to yourself is something I love telling people. Um, because I mean, I've been at like really bad points in my life where I would, I literally would think like, Oh, I'm never going to make it. Like I'm studying for no reason. What am I going to amount to? Um, but I honestly think like at the end of the day, things will work out. Maybe it's not exactly what you planned in your freshman year when you do your little four-year plan. Yeah. But at the end of the day, whatever happens, like it'll work out for you in some way, shape or form. And just being kind to yourself really, um, I think like allows you to learn not only about yourself and like what you need in life, but also just how to be kind to other people. Um, if you're easy on yourself, then you're easy on other people. Um, and there isn't a lot of like anxiety that's like attached to you. Um, so yeah, I just, I love telling people that because I think it really helped me. Um, I also love telling people to go to therapy because that helped me a lot. And I think a lot of people need therapy. I think everyone in the world needs therapy and it's not as accessible as I would love it to be, Mm -hmm. but if you ever, whoever's listening, but if you ever get a chance and you think it would help you, try it. There's a lot of resources nowadays um, in the mental health area and sector and a lot of apps coming out that kind of help. Um, so if like traditional $100 an hour kind of therapy is not for you, don't, you know, don't force yourself to do that. Yeah. But try something. Like it, 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 I think it's a very... Um, less like talked about topic especially in like AC culture and like brown spaces it's not talked about a lot but it's something that does leaps and bounds for your mental health and like Mm -hmm. I I genuinely want everyone in the world to go through therapy because it really helps and that is something I always tell people just be kind to yourself and if you have the means to try therapy Yes, 100%. I tell a lot of people to try therapy. And if, um, I've even had some people straight up tell me, like, it's be- probably because of the stigma that I don't want to go. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an issue. But yeah, I 100% agree. Be easy on yourself. Things will work out. Um, get a therapist. Uh, I've, I've done that as well. Because uh, I, I literally did that because I was unsure of where things were headed in life. And trying to figure things out and <clears throat> it really helps. And there's a lot of healthy ways for you to, to go through all of your thoughts and everything that you want to go th- or everything that you yeah. are going through and want to go through in life. So definitely, definitely. Agree. Yeah. I, that's like my one number one thing I tell people, if it's, if it's available to you and you have the means, 
then go do it because you're not only helping yourself, but you're helping the people around you by being like the best version of yourself you can be. And that just makes life just a lot easier. It makes it go a lot like you just gliding through life like a lot smoother by having a like a space, a safe space to just be yourself, let your thoughts out and be heard. Yeah. A lot of people aren't heard nowadays because of how busy everyone is like yeah, you have friends and obviously they're supportive and you can talk to them, but they're not going to be able to help you as much as a professional person can. Yeah. And I think um, what it comes down to is like, and what therapy has taught me is a lot of the time when it comes to growth, you have to be willing to number one, be vulnerable and understand that you are not where you need to be in life and, and that that is okay. Um, and being able to, learn and grow from that because like the thing that i realized as i started therapy is that there's so much for me to learn not only about myself but about the world in general personally professionally whatever you want to get better in whatever area of your life that you want to improve you have to be willing to say that okay i'm at this level right now which is like zero or one and i'm starting from like pretty much the beginning um, but i'm willing to learn and grow and as long as i'm improving every day in whatever aspect that i want to be improving that is the only thing that's important to me and I won't let anything bother me on that path. Yeah, completely agree. And I think it really helps a lot of people. Um, and hopefully one day the stigma and like, you know, just the taboo, of even talking about mental health and therapy yeah. in brown spaces, at least yeah. will, you know, not be as prevalent. Um, it, of all the people that need it, it's definitely they see people like they're so traumatized and just yeah. burnt out that, you know, like you need that, you need that space, that safe space to just, as you say, be vulnerable and like let things out. And yeah, I, I can't like not say anything good about it. Like it's just like helped me so much. I've seen how it's helped a lot of my friends, like, my siblings even like it's something that helps a lot of people that I think should be valued a lot more especially in brown spaces because I know it's like valued a lot in you know mental health spaces and stuff but in brown spaces at least it needs to be talked about more the stigma needs to go away <laughs> and I think everyone should try therapy at least once in their life and see how it you know works for them so that's what I would leave with be kind on yourself Try therapy if you can, um, and try not to eat Cheeto-covered food. I, I will try my best. <laughs> no promises, yeah. though. I, I need you here for a couple more seasons of the podcast. I don't want to turn to necromancy to bring you in. <laughs> yeah, like, you, you got a good life. You know, you go to therapy, you're trying uh, to fix it up. Don't, don't do counterintuitive things by eating stuff covered I mean, in Cheetos. A cup of coffee with Omar and the ghost of a month doesn't hit me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean, listen, I'm really hungry but now, and that sounds really It's spooky great. season, so maybe we should do that. It's true. It is, uh, it is October, so <laughs> maybe we'll do a ghost episode. Yeah, right, yeah Halloween on. episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, that was a really great episode. Yeah. And uh, as always, everyone, please be sure to like and uh, follow us. Um, 
this episode will be available on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most places where podcasts are available to listen to. And be sure to follow us at Instagram and Twitter at the Coffee Pod or email us at a coffee pod at gmail.com if you have any questions, concerns, or want to be on the podcast or have merchandising opportunities. Yep. Uh, have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys.